Well, how is everyone this morning? Doing good. My name is Scott. If I've not met you, I'm one of the pastors here at New Life Cool and Gatter. And I'd just love to echo what Anna said around Catalyst. Catalyst is a year of intensive discipleship where we actually genuinely seek God. We put aside that time for that. And it's not just for young people. It's for people of all ages. So if you want to draw closer to Jesus, if you want to know more about who God is and how you have a purpose in that, please come and see Anna or go to our website. You can get more information there as well. But we're actually in our last week of our Rhythm Series. We've kicked off with Rhythm Series for the last three years at New Life across our family of churches. The first week, we looked at becoming. Who are you becoming this year? And how do we become more like Jesus? And that's by abiding in Him. The next week, David came up, Pastor David, and he preached on service. How do we actually outwork our faith? Is it all about just sitting at home and and just having this personal faith? Or is Jesus actually calling us out? to serve others and love others and what that might look like. Last week, I got up and I preached on hearing and obeying, that God actually calls us to hear the words that he speaks, and he speaks in and through his word, but not only to hear it, but to actually put that into action and to obey. And I walked us through a a system of how you can actually read the word and put that into practical steps. So if you missed any of those, you can go to our YouTube channel and listen to those messages. Richard Foster, a modern-day writer on spiritual disciplines, he says, The discovery of God lies in the daily and the ordinary, not in the spectacular and the heroic. If we cannot find God in the routines of home and shop, then we will not find him at all. What Richard's saying is he's saying that that we actually find God in our everyday rhythms, our everyday routines. We can find God in our workplace, in what we do at home. It's not just in the heroic stuff, it's in the every ordinary day stuff. It's in the ordinary rhythms of life. And today we're going to be exploring the rhythm of fasting. And I know your soul is groaning right now. You're thinking, why did I give up my Sunday morning to come and be told that I can't eat? But what I want to do today is I want to biblically explain what fasting is. And we'll see that it's a good thing. And I want to encourage you to make it actually a rhythm in your life, a spiritual discipline, a spiritual practice to help you grow in faith and obedience to God in all of life. Therefore, after the service, the cafe will be closed because we are fasting coffee. (laughs) Some of you want to get your pitchforks and want to stab me right now. That's a joke. We're not going to close the cafe. It's all good. You can still get your coffee. We all know that we can't function without coffee, right? That's just the way it is in the 21st century. But we're going to look at a lot of Scripture today because I want to base our understanding of fasting on Scripture, not my opinion, not others' opinion, but what God actually says about fasting and whether it's for us today. One of the main scriptures we're going to look at is Matthew 6, 16 to 18. Jesus said to his disciples, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you openly. Before I get into this message, I'd love to pray. Would you join me, please? Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word. For, Lord, your word is truth. And, Lord, your word is powerful and active. So, God, I pray that you would just help me preach this message today. Preach your word with truth, with grace, and with love. Lord, in the end, they wouldn't look to me. They'd only look to you, the one who brings life, and life in all its fullness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So who's tried fasting before? A few of you. Who has put it into their spiritual disciplines as as a regular rhythm that they do regularly? 
Not too many people. There's a few, which is awesome. My experience of fasting is that it's hard. As you can tell, I like a bit of food, uh, especially donuts or Thai food or something like that. I just love food. So fasting for me is quite difficult. And when I fast, I get like all the hunger pains and midway through the day, I start losing focus, like it's really hard to do work. And especially around three o'clock, that's when I just get these crazy headaches because my body's going, what are you doing? We're meant to be eating right now. You're meant to be fueling me. And I have all these issues with like abstaining from food around that time. And I remember this one time I was fasting and Georgie had cooked a cake or something and I came in and it was just like reflex. I went, mm, that's good. And I scooped it and stuck it in my mouth. And then I'm like, I'm fasting. Oh, and I start spitting it out. And I'm like, God, have I ruined this fasting moment? What am I doing? And I started freaking out as if like God was like, you idiot, what are you doing? And so I spat it out. And I'm like, oh, no, no, I'm meant to be fasting. But I've used fasting to seek God's guidance. I've used fasting to, to silence my temptations, my flesh. But you know what? I think we've lost the understanding and the significance of fasting in the 21st century. You know, fasting has been part of the rhythms of God's people for thousands of years. And we've lost how good and powerful this practice is and how powerful it can be for our formation. So today I first wanted to look at where is fasting in the Bible? Is it just an Old Testament practice or, we just see, or do we see this rhythm adopted by Christians in the New Testament too? You see, when I talk to Christians, fasting seems like they think that it's just an Old Testament thing and we don't need it as a spiritual practice as Christians. And the fact is, we find fasting as a spiritual practice for God's people throughout the Scriptures. We know that fasting is mentioned over 70 times in the Bible, 40-odd times in the Old Testament and 30-odd times in the New Testament. And it's actually portrayed in both the Old and New as good and expected spiritual practices for God's people. So I'm going to take us to the Old Testament first. The first time fasting comes up in the Old Testament is Moses. Moses goes up on the mountain, he meets with God, and God gives him the Ten Commandments. It says in Exodus 34, Moses was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights without eating bread or even drinking water. And he wrote on the tablets the word of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. This is a really significant time where Moses is meeting with God and God gives him the law, gives him the Ten Commandments. He says, my people will not murder, my people will not lie, my people will not commit adultery. It's this crazy moment where God is speaking to Moses. He's speaking to the people of Israel and he's saying, you are going to live differently. And in that moment, he's not eating, he's fasting when he's meeting with God. And then we fast forward and we look into Judges. Judges is a time where Israel is at war and they're in this war and they're losing thousands of men. And they're wondering whether they should continue this war. And it says, then all the Israelites, the whole army went up to Bethel and there they sat weeping before the Lord. They fasted that day until evening and presented burnt offerings and fellowship offerings to the Lord. And the Israelites inquired of the Lord. See, in this moment, they're going through great calamity. And they come before God. They fast and they pray. They're seeking God's guidance. Like, God, are you wanting us in this? Are you wanting us to continue in this war? Then we see in Jonah. Jonah's this cool story about a man who God says, go to Nineveh. And proclaim judgment on them because their sin has come up before me. And Jonah's like, I don't like the Ninevites, so I'm not going to go tell them because I want them destroyed. So he runs away, but then he ends up getting swallowed by a fish, which is crazy in itself. And he ends up going and he proclaims the judgment. And it says, then by decree of the king, so the king and all his nobles say this, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. 
Do not let them drink or eat, but let the people and the animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring them to destruction that he had threatened. Here's this moment that they've used fasting, they've used prayer to humble themselves in repentance. They recognize their evil ways, their violence. They go, we're going to humble ourselves and to show God that we are truly repenting. We're going to use fasting to do that. Then we get into Joel. Joel 2, it says, Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. In this moment there, God is saying, hey, use fasting to return your heart to me. Your heart has drifted. It's gone off into the worldly things. You're worshiping other things. You're worshiping other gods. Come back to me. Come back to me through prayer and fasting. And then we see in Isaiah, this is the holy fast that God has chosen. He says, is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen? This is the Lord speaking. To loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, and to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here I am. You know, before this, he's like, he points out to the Israelites, this is what you do. You fast as this religious thing, but then you go and beat your servants. Then you go and do evil things. He goes, that's not the fast I've chosen. The fast I've chosen is to release people from the bonds, release people from sin, release people from the yoke. And he says, if you call on me, I will. It's this true fasting compared to this religious fasting. So that's just some in the Old Testament. I'm going over these quickly because I'm going to come back to them later. We go into the New Testament. Did you know that Jesus fasted? And we find that in Matthew 4. It says, when Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered and says, it is written, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus is starting his ministry. He's just been baptized, and the Holy Spirit sends him into the wilderness. Jesus goes into the wilderness. He knows he's going to have this encounter with Satan. He's going to be tempted, and Jesus fasts for 40 days leading in. Jesus uses it as a weapon. So now we know that even our Lord Jesus uses fasting. He then continues in Matthew 6 and he says to his disciples, when you fast, when you fast, this was not, or maybe if you fast, he's like, I expect you guys to fast. As my disciples, I'm expecting you to fast and seek me. And as disciples of Jesus, Jesus is saying these words to us. When you fast, don't do as the hypocrites do, as they disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. I tell you, they've received their reward in full. He's saying, hey, do it secretly, that the Father will reward you. So Jesus actually expects us to fast. Then we go into the early church. Did they adopt this from Christ? Did they do what Jesus said? Absolutely, in Acts 13, it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. 
You see, the early church would fast and pray to seek guidance from God. They'd be like, God, where do you want us to go as a people? What do you want us to do? And they would fast and pray to, to, to get the flesh down and bring the Holy Spirit into the equation and say, God, where are you sending us? And the Holy Spirit spoke. And we see in Acts 13, uh, 14 as well, where Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in every church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they put their trust. They would actually appoint elders, which would be pastors and elders and other leaders in the church through prayer and fasting. And we actually see throughout church history, if we study church history, Christians and theologians have written about the importance of fasting as a spiritual discipline, a spiritual discipline that, that they make a regular rhythm in their life. So we see that fasting was a practical practice that God's people used for different reasons, for different seasons, different occasions, both in the Old and New Testament. And over the last 2,000 years, Christians have used this to become more like Jesus. So now we've established that fasting is biblical, both in the Old and New Testament, and it's for us today. The next question is, what exactly is fasting and why would we do it? Fasting, why? Well, fasting is giving up food or other source of personal gratification for a determined period of time in order to focus on God. You see, fasting allows us to take our focus and reliance off earthly things and put the focus and reliance on God. You see, fasting is, this, is powerful when it's actually combined with other spiritual disciplines, like prayer and reading the Bible. You know, most of the times in the Bible when we see fasting, it's always accompanied with prayer. It's always accompanied with seeking God. But why, Scott? Why should I fast? It's a great question. I'm glad you asked it. Because we all know that unless we know the why, why we're doing something, then we won't actually do it, especially if it involves giving something up or if it involves like suffering in any kind of form, right? Like we are really weak as human beings because we actually need good reason to do something, especially if it's hard. Like just think about exercise. You need to have a good reason to exercise, right? Imagine if you're putting all this effort into exercise and you're not getting any fitter and you're not getting any slimmer. You're just like, why am I doing this? That's the mantra of my life. I just hate exercise. I'm like, why am I doing this? I don't have a good why. And so we won't do it, right? So let me give you some reasons why we should fast as Christians. First reason is it frees up time. Fasting allows us to free up time to give more attention to prayer. 1 Corinthians 7 says, Do not deprive each other except for perhaps by mutual consent for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Really interesting here. He's actually talking about sex between a married couple. He's saying, hey, if you want to give that up for a time, to give yourselves more time to pray, then that's a good thing. I'm like, what were they doing? Was that all they were doing at that time? But it's like, hey... Giving something up frees up time that they may be able to pray. You might say, I don't have time to pray or read my Bible, Scott. I just don't have time for that. Well, then fasting's perfect for you. And the reason why we fast food is because we don't realize how much time we put into deciding what we're going to eat, buying the food and, and consuming it. Like, do you know how much time we spend doing that? I know me and my family are like, what do you want to eat? I don't know. What do you want? I don't know. And like, even just that first question like, takes us forever. Then you go to the shop and you buy the food, you come back and prepare it, and then you eat it. Like if you decide to fast, just say lunch at work this week. So I'm not going to eat lunch. I'm just going to fast that. I'm going to spend that time in prayer. Do you know how much time it takes for you to decide what you want? Go to the cafe or the takeaway, get that food, come back and eat that food, and then you're straight back to the desk. If you fast just lunch, you'll have a whole hour where you can sit and seek God, where you can read his word. 
where you can pray and seek him. That's just one meal. Imagine that. Imagine all the time it takes, all the time you spend on social media, on other distractions like TV. You know, last year I decided to take Facebook off my phone because it's so easy just to whip the phone out whenever you've got some free time and just scroll through Facebook. And so I took it off my phone and then I realized I went, oh, I haven't got it. So if I'm sitting at the doctor's surgery or whatever, it's like, what do I do now? Maybe I'll pray. You'd be surprised how much extra prayer time you got, not by being distracted by those things. If you add all that time up, you have so much extra time to pray or read the Bible. Andrew Boner says, fasting is abstaining from anything that hinders prayer. You see, fasting frees up time to spend with God. So if you're someone who's super busy and doesn't have enough time to pray or read the Bible, this first one should be a good enough reason that you would make fasting a regular rhythm in your spiritual disciplines. Secondly, it's an act of humility. It increases our sense of humility and dependence on the Lord. Because hunger and physical weakness continually remind us how we're not really strong in ourselves, but we need the Lord to sustain us. You know, we, don't, we think that we have control over our lives, but God is the one that sustains us. And every time we get those hunger pains, we go, yes, Lord, it's not about the food, it's about you. You're the one who sustains me. You're the one who lifts me up. You're the one who gives me life. You're God, we're not. And when we get that order right, when we humble ourselves, when we put God in his rightful place on the throne, God moves in our hearts. And he actually hears our prayers. And we see that in that story of Jonah. We see a whole nation humble themselves before the Lord. They humble themselves with fasting, with fasting food, with sitting in sackcloth and ashes, which is a symbol of comfort. You know, do you know how comfortable it is sitting in a sackcloth? Not very comfortable. Not very fun. But they actually humble themselves before the Lord and they cry out urgently to God that maybe he might hear that he wouldn't bring that calamity on them. And God actually hears their prayer. Do you know God loves humility? Do you know fasting is a sign of humility? We're willing to humble ourselves before the Lord. James 4, 6 says, but God gives us more grace. That's why the scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. It says God actively opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble. Do you want favor and grace in your life? Then humbling yourself is one way to do that. And that's one way to do that is just through prayer and fasting. Third, it's a sign of commitment. It's this continual reminder that just as we sacrifice some personal comfort by not eating, we must continually sacrifice all of our lives to him. You know, when we fast, we show God we're committed to him. We're committed to change. We're committed to following him in all his ways. Jesus gives us this this crazy uh, moment where he's talking to his disciples and he says to them in Luke 14, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters and yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. It's a pretty heavy verse right now. He's saying if you don't hate your family... If you don't hate your life, you can't be my disciple. What does that mean? He's not saying you should hate your wife. He's not saying you should hate your parents. He's saying you put anything in front of me, if you worship anything in front of me, you can't be my disciple. So the question is, what are we putting in front of God? Are we putting comfort? Are we putting money? Are we putting pride? What are we putting in front of God? Anything we put in front of him, whether it's Facebook or Netflix, 
If we're saying, no, I haven't got time for you, I'm going to put this in front of you, Jesus is saying, that's not okay. We need to put things in our right place. And he says, you've got to carry the cross. You know what carrying the cross means? It's not fun. Carrying the cross is hard. Carrying the cross is suffering. Carrying the cross is saying, I'm devoted to you, God, even though this is going to be difficult. Fasting is a way to put God first and say, I'm actually committed to you, Lord, even to the point of denying myself food for a set time to seek you. Four, it helps with self-discipline and temptation. You see, fasting is a good exercise in self-discipline. When we refrain from eating food, which we normally desire, right, that we love, it also strengthens our ability to refrain from sin, to which otherwise we might have been tempted to yield to. And we see this with Jesus in Matthew 4. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Understatement. I would be starving. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. That is a good temptation. When you have not eaten for 40 days, that sounds like a really good idea, right? And Jesus answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, Jesus was going into this, knowing he was going to be tempted in all things, but yet did not sin, the Bible said. And what was his weapon against Satan? It was fasting. It was fasting and the word. The word of God, he says, no, you're not king. The word of God is king. And so Jesus used this because Satan knows that we live by the things of the world and they actually form us. And so therefore Satan actually, his greatest form of attack is keeping us reliant on the lusts of the world, on tempting us to sin. So the question is, what's drawing you away to be conformed to the patterns of the world of of pride and, and anger and lust and sin? Maybe we need to fast from some of these things and seek God, and you'll be formed by God and not Satan. You see, if we refrain or if we train ourselves to expect these, to, to accept these small sufferings of temptation, and maybe this, this food, just giving up food willingly, we might be better able to resist other sinful temptations in our life, like resisting greed or pride or hate or lust. Who else loves chips or chocolate? Like if you open up a packet of salt and vinegar chips, I'm going to dust the whole thing. Like it's just, there's no hope for those packets of chips. Like I'm like, I'll open it up and I'll be like, I'll have a few. And then I'm like, I'll put them away and I won't eat the rest. And I go back about five minutes later, I'll go, I'll just have another few. And then I go back and have a few more. And then I'm like, I'm halfway through, I might as well finish it. Right? Well, if you put donuts in front of me, they are going. They are not living for another minute. Like there's just certain things that I can't resist, right? But so funny, if I've fasted the day before and said no to all food, when those things come to me the next day, I'm like, no, I actually, I can say no to that. Because yesterday I'd said no to all food, so I actually have the willpower to do this. And so it's a really good example of when we fast, we use it as a weapon against temptation, against sin. John Wesley is another influential Protestant theologian. He believed that fasting and prayer are important aspects of self-control and self-discipline, which are necessary to overcome these personal struggles and temptations. And in his sermon on fasting, he said... Fasting is a means of increased self-control, which is necessary for personal holiness and spiritual growth. Who needs more self-control to resist temptation? I know I do. And fasting is so powerful to help you with your temptation. And it's what Jesus used to fight Satan, so maybe we should employ the same weapon. Five is spiritual guidance and awareness. Fasting also heightens our spiritual and mental alertness 
and to sense God's presence as we focus off the material things of this world and put our focus on God. It helps us put our focus on God and what he wants us to do. And sometimes that's opposite to what we want to do, what our flesh wants to do. In Acts 13, we read about that. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I had called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. We see this picture of the early church. They're gathering together to worship. They're gathering together, fasting and praying, going, God, where do you want us to go? What do you want us to do? And that humbleness of coming together as a community, God goes, this is what I want. This is who I want you to send out. And they obey him. They come to him to seek guidance. I remember when Stu Cameron, our lead minister at the time, um, when New Life Coolangatta came up as an opportunity to plant down here, he came to me and said, there's an opportunity in Coolangatta and you're the guy. And I was like, well, that's lovely. Great. Glad you think that. Um, I don't think that because I don't think I'm that great. But anyway, I said to him, no worries. I need to actually go away and pray and fast. Because unless God's calling me there, there's no point in me coming. Because if I just come in my own strength, it'll be a disaster. But if I go because God's calling me, he'll be with me and he'll do the work. And so I went away and I prayed and I fasted. And my flesh was going, God, it's not me. I'm not a good leader. I'm not a good preacher. I'm not as good as the other guys. And God's like, no, no, no. I'm calling you to go. Just go. And so through prayer and fasting, I brought my fleshly things to him and said, this is me. This is what I want. And he goes, no, but this is what I want. And so I came and God has blessed this community with all the people that are here that have come around me, the team, the volunteers. It's beautiful. God does what he says he's going to do. So we use fasting as a means to seek God, to seek his wisdom and guidance for our life. So I want to ask you, is there something you need God's wisdom and guidance for? Maybe you need to pray and fast about that. Lastly, it shows a hunger for transformation. Fasting expresses this earnest and urgency in our prayers. If we continue to fast and not eat, like we'd eventually die, right? So therefore, in a symbolic way, fasting says to God, we're actually prepared to lay down our lives so that this situation actually might be changed, that it would not continue. Is there any part of your life that you want changed? Isaiah 58 says, Is this not the kind of fast that I have chosen, says the Lord? To loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke. You see, this is what God wants to do. He wants to set us free from our sin. He wants to set you free from what's holding you back. That might be pride, it might be temptation, it might be lust, it might just be distractions or sin. This is why Jesus came. Jesus came to set us free from that. And when we call on the name of the Lord, he comes and sets us free. He says, then you will call and the Lord will answer and you will cry for help and he will say, here I am. This is the very reason why Jesus came, why he came in the fresh. He says, here I am. Do you want to know the character and the nature of God? Here it is on display. I want to show you his love, his mercy, his grace. You're going to see it when I go to the cross of how much I love you. But I came to set you free from that yoke from the power of sin in your life, from the judgment of God, I'm compassionate and merciful. And when I go to the cross, I'm going to take your sin and I'm going to bury it in the grave. And all who repent and put their faith and trust in me will be set free. That's the gospel of Jesus. Andrew Murray says, fasting helps express, deepen, confirm the resolution that we are ready to sacrifice anything, even ourselves to attain what we seek for the kingdom of God. You see, Jesus was willing to sacrifice himself 
to give you access to the kingdom of God, to give you forgiveness of sin, to give you eternal life, to give you his spirit. So what are we willing to sacrifice to seek and to be transformed by him? Church, there are so many reasons why we should fast. There's no one here today, including myself, that can say we have no issue with pride or sin or the lure of worldly things. We're all enticed by these things. And when we engage in these things, we engage in them to the detriment of our own soul, but also to those around us. We all should really consider making fasting a regular rhythm in our spiritual disciplines to become more people, more like Jesus. You see, if prominent figures in the Old Testament and the New Testament use fasting, so should we, especially because Jesus himself used it when he was tempted by Satan. And he assumed that we would actually use it too. Question is, are we stronger than these people in the Bible? Are we stronger than Jesus to turn away from sin? Can we do that without the weapon or the tool of fasting? No, we can't. We're just simply weak human beings that need God's help. And God's given us this tool of fasting to help us on the journey of faith and righteousness. You know, I've always felt that there's a sense of fear around fasting for two reasons. One, because we don't understand the why of fasting, which hopefully now I've addressed for you. And second is because we don't like to suffer in any way for our faith. We don't want to suffer for our spiritual growth. Let me tell you, the fastest way and the best way to grow spiritually is usually through humbling ourselves, through some sort of suffering, effort, and devotion. But we don't like hard things. We just like an easy, comfortable faith, right? We want all of our faith served in comfort, served on a platter. Is that how you see people in the Bible grow towards God? But come on, Scott, you're not really encouraging me right now. Yes, I am. We are so blessed, so blessed beyond comprehension. We get to live in such a beautiful country, in relative comfort. We have everything we need. We have so much comfort. If anyone needs to fast, it's us. It's way easier for us to be distracted and deceived into thinking we don't need God because we have everything. What do I need you for? I've got everything I need. You know, we desperately need God to help us not get pulled into the lusts and the desires of the world. And the best way to do that is by turning away from them from a time, to sacrifice, to seek relationship and guidance and strength from God. Now, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, you know this to be true. So the question is now, how? How do I fast? How long do I have to fast? What can I do and what should I not do? What are some practical ways to fast? So let's get super practical. Well, Jesus gives us some really practical tips in Matthew 6 in our main text. He says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Again, Jesus says, when you fast. Because here's a practical tip. Don't look somber like the hypocrites. It's not about who's more spiritual than someone else. It's not like going around going, hey, everyone, I'm fasting. Super spiritual. You should do it too. Look at me. I'm not eating. Just everyone noticed, right? It's not about that. It's not about being religious. See, God sees the heart. He's saying, if you fast, just do it between you and God. And it's okay, there are times where I fast and my wife has no idea because I'm just fasting lunch. But there are times when I'm fasting, I'm like, I'm not eating dinner. 
It's not like, oh, I've ruined my fast now. I've told someone. It's like, well, she's my wife. She's like, why are you not eating my dinner? Do you not like it? So don't get religious around it because like, I actually want to see your heart and do what you're doing in secret as in like when you're fasting, you're praying, you're coming to the Lord, you're petitioning the Lord for whatever things you're seeking guidance on. He's saying, oh, I'll actually see that. So don't be religious, but the Father sees what is done in secret. And here is a promise in Scripture. I love it. He says he will reward you. He will reward your humbleness in coming to him. Does the band want to come up whenever they're ready? So what are some basics? Well, I need to first start with a warning. If you have a medical condition and you can't fast food, that's okay. Please seek medical advice. There are people who are diabetics and other things like that um, that can't fast food, and that's okay. There are different ways that we can fast. It's in the Bible. In the Bible, we see fasting. There's three examples of fasting. One is food. One is comfort, where they sit in sackcloth and ashes. So that's not comfortable. So they're fasting comfort. And also, the other one is pleasures. When it talks about fasting sex between married couple, that's actually talking about pleasures. So food. If you want to fast food, you can fast all foods and just drink water for the day. That's okay. But if you can't fast all foods, you can change that. It can be different. You can just fast partially. Daniel fasted partially in the Old Testament. He's like, I'm just not, I'm going to fast all choice food. I'm not going to eat meat. I'm not going to drink wine. I'm going to fast all the good things that I like. And for me, it'd be like donuts and you know, chips and stuff. He's going to fast all those fleshly things that he loves to spend that time to focus on God. So you can fast food. can be all food and just water, or it can be partial fast. Then we have comfort. That's sitting in sackcloth and ashes. Sometimes we can, we can sacrifice comfort. One of our pastors um, last year, or I think it was the year before, he recognized that the clothing and stuff was becoming an issue for him. He worried about what other people thought and he was buying lots of clothes. He said, you know, this is becoming an issue for me, so I'm actually going to fast buying any sort of clothing for 12 months to try and break this handle over me. And he did. He didn't buy a single piece of clothing for 12 months. And I can tell you, his clothes started to look pretty ratty by the end. All his shirts were stretched. His wife actually went out and bought him a shirt because they were going somewhere nice. She's like, you need a shirt. But he decided to sacrifice comfort. To fast comfort. The other thing is pleasures. What if you said, you know what, for me it might be like, hey, you know what, Tuesday morning, I'm not going to go surfing. I'm actually going to sacrifice that pleasure, that time. I want to seek God. I want to give Him the time that He deserves and that's not my Lord. So I'm just not going to go surfing on Tuesday. I'm just going to sit. I'm going to seek God. You see, there's different things that we can actually fast and we can fast distractions. We have so many distractions in the 21st century. Your Facebook, Instagram, Netflix. There's so many things that we can go out and do that can distract us from what God wants, wants us to do. As I said, you can take Facebook off your phone and instead of looking at Facebook this week, just sit in prayer. You see, when we take away some of these things, it gives us an opportunity to seek God. So how long do I do it for? Well, if it's your first time fasting, don't go and do a 40-day fast, please. Not a good idea not about being super spiritual, look at me. It's like, okay, if you've never fasted before, maybe just do one meal. Maybe just do 24 hours. If you've fasted before, maybe you want to do a little bit longer than you have before. That's all fine. Because God sees the heart. You know, my experience, I change up my fasting. Sometimes it's for 24 hours. Sometimes it's just one meal. When we planted this church, I didn't eat until dinner for about five weeks because I really needed God's help to start this thing. 
And that's not to say, look at me, I'm so super spiritual. It's just like, I just changed up the times. I just said, this is what I feel God's calling me to right now. And I want to set that time aside to seek Him. You know, fasting is not getting what we want from God. It's realigning our hearts with Him. It's spending that time to go, God, what do you want? How do I realign myself with you? You know, John Wesley, he actually says um, he fasted every Friday. He made it a regular rhythm in his week and he wouldn't ordain any ministers unless they committed to regular fasting because he understood the importance, the power of fasting to turn away from temptation and sin. So maybe you could employ that. Maybe you say, I'm going to fast once a month. I'm going to fast every two weeks or maybe one day a week. That's totally up to you. Anything we give up to create space to pray and seek God is good. This is not a law. It's not a commandment. Don't be religious about it. Fasting is a tool. It's a spiritual discipline to help us on our journey of faith. And so what I want to do is I want to invite you. I want to invite you to join us in a week of prayer and fasting. From tomorrow, we're going to start this prayer and fasting week. And it doesn't mean you've got to fast all week and not eat for seven days. You might just fast at lunchtime and spend that time in prayer. You might just fast one meal. You might not fast all week and maybe just Saturday. But it's so powerful. We see in Scripture when the people of God come together and they fast together and they seek God, God does amazing things. We're inviting you in to join with us across all of our churches. We're all doing this this week. Brisbane, Rabina, here at New Life Court and Gatta, because we expect to realign our hearts with God that we'd see Him do amazing things. We'd love to invite you to join us in that. And that's going to culminate on Saturday night. But we're going to gather here. At six o'clock, we're just going to spend time in, in worship. The start, the first half is just going to be personal prayer where you can bring your petitions to God. Maybe you just fast from lunchtime Saturday and join us. And that first moments, that first half of the prayer and worship night, you can just come to God and go, God, this is what I need. This is where I'm struggling. I need your help. In the second part, we're just going to all come together. And we're just going to pray like the early church did. We're going to seek God's guidance for what He wants to do in and through us as a church, in and through our community, in and through our state, in and through our nation. We're going to come together in agreements and petition our Lord that He would move in power and in might, that we would see more people come to know Him. We would see salvations and we would be transformed in our heart. So I'm just asking you, maybe you just need to spend some time in prayer and go, God, what are you asking me to do? Are you asking me to pray? Are you asking me to fast this week? What do I need to give up? Ask yourself these questions. Is my hunger for God greater than my hunger for food? Is my hunger for God greater than my hunger for money? Is my hunger for God greater than my hunger for comfort? Is my hunger for God greater than my hunger for social media or Netflix? Is my hunger for God greater than these worldly lusts of the flesh? These are great questions to ask yourself regularly because if the answer is no, I want these things more than God, then fasting will be a powerful tool for you. Because through fasting, we're saying to all these things, get back in your rightful place. Get off the throne of my heart. That belongs to Jesus. I worship God. I don't worship you. Fasting is a way of humbling our flesh that we may realign our hearts and desires to God. I want to ask, will you join us this week? Say no to the flesh. Say yes to God. Because I know if we do, we will see amazing transformation in not only in ourselves, but in our church and in our communities for the glory of God. Will you join us?
I'm going to pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your guidance through your word. Jesus, we thank you that you exhibited what it means to fast, what it means to fight against the enemy, what it means to fight against the flesh. That Lord, you use your word for your word is truth. The Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come right now. Come Holy Spirit. I pray you would speak to each and every person in this room. In this moment, just open up your heart and say, God, what are you asking me to give up to spend more time with you this week? Come Holy Spirit, your servants are listening. And you might be sitting there in this moment of prayer and like, oh, I feel the weight of sin. I've not actually given Jesus my sin. I've not actually put my faith and trust in him, but hearing today that he can free me from that sin, I want that. I want a relationship with God. If that's you, I just want to ask you to, to put your hand up in a moment, and I would love to pray for you. Because here's the truth, God loves you. He wants to set you free. And not only does he love you, he likes you. He actually likes you. He wants to have relationship with you. He wants to take that burden of sin away and give you a life, a life to the full. So as we're in this moment of prayer, if you'd just love to put your hand up, I would love to pray for you. Thank you. Father God, you see those hands that have been raised. Lord, I pray that you will bless them with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you have forgiven their sins, that you will wash them clean of their sin, God. That as they put their faith and trust in you, Jesus, the only true God, that you would become their Lord and their Saviour and their friend. And Lord, I pray for each and every one of us here, God, as well, that every one of us struggle with sin. Lord, forgive us of our sins. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Lord, I thank you that your word says, for you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us through the blood of Christ. We thank you, Lord, for the gospel of Jesus. So Lord, I pray that you would help us this week to spend some time in prayer with you that we'd be willing to sacrifice whatever it is to seek you and to seek your will. We pray all this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Would you like to stand as we worship this amazing God together?